How do we reduce stress and overwhelm while fulfilling our dreams and sense of purpose in our personal lives and careers with calm and confidence? Let's talk all about it with transformational coach and mindset expert, Shimrit Nativ, right here on episode 346 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is all about you, your personal and professional development, your career, and the healthcare system as a whole. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews like today's with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, coaching, medicine, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride, and I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being a part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And here's a special request. In 2021, I'm asking 100 regular listeners to pledge $2 a month for a year. That's less than buying me a cup of coffee every month. It really helps me produce the show because we're heading towards 400 episodes and the costs do increase over time. So if you'd like to sign up and support the show like Edward from the Bay Area, Marie from Tennessee and Jocelyn from New York, who recently became patrons, head over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith to sign up and show your support. And thank you so much for considering doing so. And you can also support the show and me by referring yourself and others to Nurse Keith Coaching for Holistic Career Coaching. If you'd like a complimentary consult, just contact me at keith at nursekeith.com. And if you mention Shimrit Nativ in this episode, you can get 15% off your first coaching package. The show notes for this episode will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 346. I can't believe it. So Shimrit, it's so nice to have you here. You're calling in from Berlin and you are a expert mindset and uh, transformational coach. And that is so close to my heart. And the first question I really have for you is, what do you find is the number one cause of people's emotional struggles? Well, first of all, I want to say hello, Keith, to you and to everyone listening. And thank you so much for having me here. And I'm very excited for this conversation Um, And thank you for your question. Uh, It's an important one, I think. Um, I would say the number one cause is separation. It is the experience of being separated from, you can call it source, you can call it God, you can call it higher self, you can call it quantum field or unified field, uh, whatever, whichever word suits best your belief system and your language um, separation uh, from that unity um, which is also being separated from one another uh, being feeling separated from our bodies Um, it is really all the, the 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 real nature of all things is unity and nevertheless most people uh, go through life feeling separation, separated from their body, separated from their peers, from their family, from their environment. And that is the absolutely number one cause for emotional struggle, for any struggle. Wow. That, that really speaks to me. And we can't ignore the fact that right now we're recording in well, towards the end of October, 2021, and someone might be listening in a few years, or they might be listening in a couple of weeks. And we're in the middle of this existential crisis that has been gripping the world for, I don't know, 18 months, 20 months now. So what have you seen has changed or become exacerbated or transformed in some ways based on what's happening around us right now? Well, I must say this is not a topic that I tend to talk about that much. Mm -hmm. And so from that perspective and choice, I will answer your question as well. Um, Because I cannot do it any other way. Um, I I don't tend to have this conversation much, much because I personally choose as much as possible to 
shift my focus from this topic in specific or any other um, topic or event or happening uh, that is not supporting my well-being. Hmm. And so th- that that's what I believe is the way, this is the way I believe we can harness our creative power and um, and manifest what we want to see in, in the world globally and personally. And so definitely there's a lot of separation um, that we can see in social media, in the world. Um, and it is becoming more poignant and more evident and more extreme these days and these times. Having said that, I find, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, people, when we were not yet used to staying at home and, uh, and not having our usual, uh, activities and routines and interactions, I have found it to be a big blessing for many people also in my work uh, because we were kind of forced to find ways to um, go within and find peace within, within our homes, with our families, uh, with ourselves, without the distractions, without the accessories um and that is one blessing that i have found uh in this pandemic uh another one that i am hoping to find uh is that well i i have never experienced in the 40 plus years of my life and the history that i'm aware of uh the the world being so united around um, a topic or, or an event, right? It's the same thing happening all around the world and all the leaders are um, dealing with the, same, with the same thing and are collaborating. I, I don't have much to say uh, and I choose not to have much to say about how the leaders are um, dealing with this, mm-hmm. but the fact that they are uniting and the fact that we are all experiencing the same reality in a sense uh, and, and, and struggling with the same issues, um, I think there's a lot of power to that. And I uh, am hoping and holding the faith that we will um, benefit from that in the future uh, because that is a very strong learning experience for humanity and society um, experiencing the ability and potential that we have to unite, to work together, to join forces for whatever cause and purpose. Uh, so that is a lesson that I am believe that we will benefit from uh, and uh, utilize in the future for other causes. Mm-hmm. And one last thing that I can say for your question is, in order to grow, uh, I have found that sometimes there is struggle involved. We learn and grow through friction and uh, challenge. And so, again, along the same lines, I choose to hold the faith and, uh, and image of us, again, as society, as humanity, going through um, this friction right now uh, as, a, as, a, as some kind of a royal battle uh, mm. be- that will lead us to, to better times. Wow. I, I love that response because you're not a healthcare provider. So you're coming from a very different perspective. You're a mindset coach and a transformational coach. And you're response when I asked about the experience, the existential experience of the pandemic is obviously filtered through that particular lens. And I love that lens because it's one that I try to hold on to. And as a healthcare provider myself and a lot of my listeners, we we feel this responsibility to stay on top of what's happening. Like I give vaccines regularly and I have to stay on top of it because I have to answer people's questions. And I have to admit that over these last 18, 20 months, there have been periods where I kind of, I go on a news fast 
And I know I'll get the information I need from the Department of Health when I need to go to a clinic, right? My boss will give me the updates we need to know. But I go on a news fast. I don't even Mm -hmm. own a TV anyway. So, Mm -hmm. and I don't listen to the radio. (laughs) So I, I turn the volume on that stuff down and I turn mm-hmm. the volume up on the books I read about personal development and the, the podcasts I read about personal development and the work that my, my partner and girlfriend does around astrology and, and spiritual growth. So we all have to choose where we put our attention. And you mentioned about, you said that we grow through friction. So I see that friction as there's stress, right? There's change. We go through all sorts of um, peregrinations in our life. So when we think about stress, and I know this is something you talk about in your work, mm-hmm. what do you see as the long-term effects when we experience stress, whatever the source of the stress? Yes. Well, as you just said, Keith, I am not a healthcare provider, uh, but I will uh, be bold enough to mm-hmm. answer your question and say uh, that the result of long-term stress is um, disease. And mm-hmm. that is the number one cause to any disease, to the best of my understanding, mm-hmm. and the kind of education that I follow. Yes. Um, and that's as simple as that. That is yeah. as simple as that. Right. And we we do know through science that stress yes. has this inflammatory process physiologically in the body, but then there's mm-hmm. what happens to us spiritually and emotionally and psychologically. And there, you know, the the effects are pervasive. And you work with people around mindset and you you like people. You like to help people transform, fulfill their dreams, find their life purpose, right? So what are some of the tools that you find are most effective in reducing stress and the sense of overwhelm in our lives, which a lot of us can experience in the 21st century because things are so fast paced and seem so intense sometimes. Mm, Absolutely. Well, um, I always like to explain this uh, in the following way. I find that there are four pillars or wheels, if you will, to such a transformative um, process, specifically around stress or any transformation, really. Um, One is on the cognitive behavioral level, level, on the conscious level, creating uh, implementing and practicing um, shifts in thought patterns, in reaction patterns. Uh, it's very accessible. It's very, um, you don't need to do any deep meditations or hypnosis or any, or go anywhere um, to do that. You just need to have an honest look at your uh, frequent thoughts and uh patterns of reaction and behavior and see what what is not serving your goals, your well-being, what is putting you in stress, and then create some changes. And there are very, very effective processes to do so. However, this is not enough. This is not sufficient in order to create a a sustainable change um, or sustain higher levels of well-being, lower levels of stress, more calm, more confidence, more fulfillment. It is not sufficient. And that is because the roots of those patterns are subconscious. And mm-hmm. we, um, we learn them. These are really like programs uh, that are installed within us, usually in the first years of life. Um, and there are biological explanations to why that is so. So in the first years of our life, our brain operates in mostly in um, theta brainwaves. And that is to allow us really as children to learn so many functions and activities that we need to know how to do and operate in as functioning human beings and adults. 
and we can't, we must learn them on a subconscious level. So we don't always have to think consciously about the next step that we take, the next bite that we eat and so on. So all these activities that we don't, we are not born with this information and knowledge. We learn it in the first years of life and we are designed as human beings in such a way so that we can learn it um, quickly and subconsciously. Really. Mm -hmm install this as a program. But the same thing happened during those years on an emotional level as well. And so we learn straight into our subconscious how to react to certain situations, um, many concepts about ourselves, about life that we, um, that we receive uh, from our parents, from our caregivers, mm -hmm. from our environment, and so on. And these become our subconscious programs or paradigms. And so if we only work on the conscious level and practice creating shifts in our thought patterns and reaction patterns, again, that is very important and very accessible to do and 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 leads to very rapid results, but mm -hmm. it's not sustainable if we don't do the subconscious work. And so that is the second pillar, that emotional healing, that subconscious reprogramming, if you will. Now, in order to do that, we need two things. We need repetition. So, so those initial programs were created in two ways, repetition over and over and over again. We, we, we witnessed or were told different things uh, in, in, in our early childhood. And as mentioned, we were, our brain operated in that subconscious level, what is related to the subconscious level, the same brain waves that our brain operates in when we dream, for example, right. or when we are in a deep meditative state. So this third level, the third pillar or wheel uh, out of those four is the, um, the spiritual practice for two reasons, for three reasons. First, what I just mentioned, it paves the way to do that subconscious work, to do that emotional healing, because we, we do, I do that the way I work and the way I help people is doing that in a meditative state. So we can, so we, we basically bring our brain to alpha and theta brain waves by going into a meditation. And then we do processes that help us reach those deep rooted programs and paradigms and beliefs and emotional wounds, if you will, and bring some healing and, and changes there. Uh, a second reason why the spiritual practice is so vital and, and essential is that it really helps to lower stress levels immediately. So it calms the body, it calms the mind, it helps us detach from the, um, the thoughts that are, you know, we, we, we think around 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. So it helps us to, to move our focus away and really practice this, this skill that we have, this ability that we have to choose, as we've mentioned before, to choose where to put our attention and focus. Uh, and then third reason is that it really... Um, doing the spiritual practice uh, in such a in such a way connects us to who we really are. Because if we only work with our thought processes, our behavior, even our subconscious, um, the, the, those subconscious programs, this is all the vehicle. This is all working on fixing the car, but not. Uh, attending the driver to the driver uh, who's driving this vehicle, which is our body and mind, uh, is our spiritual self. We are spiritual beings. Wait, attending the car, tending to the car, but not the driver. Yes. That's, I love that concept. I'm going to remember that one. Yes, we want yeah. to. Thank you. Uh, we want. Yes, exactly. Because if we don't do that, we might have a better car or I don't know, an improved vehicle, sure, but yeah. we will still keep crashing into the same walls or mm. driving in circles or reaching the wrong destination. Mm. We want to learn how to drive consciously so we can actually navigate and reach the goals, reach the dreams, reach the destination that we, that we desire. Uh, so the spiritual practice is, is very, very important uh, in order to be able to do that. And the fourth pillar is the consistency, because if we do all of those things, work on all of those levels, but we don't do this consistently enough, then we don't build up enough momentum that can override the momentum of the current pattern 
of what's going on, of the stress, of the low self-esteem, any limiting beliefs, any harmful habits that we might have, have a certain momentum. They've been going on for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. There's a lot of momentum there. So we must have consistency, enough consistency in the process to be able to reach a certain threshold and override the current momentum so we can really create a sustainable change. Beautiful. Okay. So four pillars, cognitive behavioral, two, emotional healing, subconscious work, three, Mm -hmm. spiritual practice, and four, consistency. So when we come back from the break, I want to talk about your take on classical, you know, psychotherapy, which Mm -hmm. I've I've participated in a great deal and my my (laughs) listeners hear about that all the time. Um, And then I want to kind of pivot into careers and how our careers are affected by emotional trauma and the ways in which we can, we can work with ourselves using these four pillars to move towards fulfilling our dreams and our sense of purpose. And then I want to talk about your international academy for emotional and mental well-being, because that's a really important thing of, of what your work is all about. So how does that sound for the second half? Sounds perfect. Great. So we will be right back with Shimrit Nativ for the second half of episode 346 of The Nurse Keith Show. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit, so you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. Remember, the show notes are located at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode in the number 346, where you can learn all about Shimrit Nativ and her International Academy for Emotional and Mental Wellbeing. I highly recommend checking it out. And Shimrit, you're my new friend and colleague and friend of the pod. And we've been talking about the causes of people's emotional struggles, the long, long-term effects. We touched on the pandemic a little bit, and we talked about your four pillars, which are cognitive behavioral, emotional healing and subconscious work, spiritual practice, and then fourth, consistency. And yeah. consistency is a tough one for a lot of us, myself included. So let's talk for a moment about classical psychotherapy. I've talked about psychotherapy here on the show. I've had guests who've talked about their experience with mental illness and and all these other things that we can go through in the peregrinations of our lives. And I've, I've been in therapy most of the last 35 years or so. So my question for you is, what is it about classic psychotherapy that isn't always the right solution for everyone? Well, it's following right just what we just said about the four pillars, basically. Uh, Classical therapy, in my experience, um, 
And as I find most of my clients obviously uh, have gone through classical therapy, classical counseling, and um, were and kept on struggling with with the same with the same um, hurdles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though they, you know, they were going for years to to different uh, therapists and so on. And I think the reason why it's not always working for everyone is because it's not including the four pillars. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, that's basically it. I, as, yes. I have found these four pillars to be the essentials to create and sustain uh, such a tra- such transformation. So classical therapy is m- many times does not include and sometimes disregards completely the spiritual aspect of our being, uh, which is the real, who we really are in my understanding of life. Um, and also it's not, of course, it, 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 it treats or tries to treat the emotional um, pain, but not on a subconscious level. It can bring a lot of awareness and awareness is important, but I find this type of awareness to be still in what I, what I call the first pillar. It is conscious awareness. Again, very important. You want to be aware of your patterns, of what happened, of how you operate, of your reaction patterns. This is essential, but it's just one pillar. Hmm. And it's, it's not, awareness is not enough. Understanding does not lead to change. You want to know, you want to understand, you want to read and listen and talk about, but then you must take some sort of action and to do that consistently, which is the fourth pillar. And that action that I'm talking about here is the spiritual practice, which also, as I mentioned, paves the way to do that subconscious or emotional healing, which is not just talking about it. You know, when I work with people, most times we don't spend that much time talking about what happened. Even when I mention early childhood here, I don't mean picking up every stone along the way and remembering and recalling everything that happened to us. The story doesn't matter that much. We really don't want to give that much focus to it, actually, uh, which is another way to answer your question, by the way, why doesn't it always work and help is because we actually, what we many times do in classical therapy is we come back to the story over and over and over again, and we're basically retelling it over and over and over again and putting our attention on it where we, what, what we actually want to do is practice the skill that we have, the highest skill of all, in my understanding, which is to choose where to put our attention. Where we put our focus is where we put our energy. And so if we put our energy on the story, on the old story of the trauma and what happened and what mom dad said and what dad do and all right. of those things, we retell the story. We put more and more of our life's energy to nurture that story, to keep it alive. What we really want to do is put our focus and attention and drive our energy to create a new story. We are free to write any story we would like to, and we can do that at any point in our life. And that is not what we do in classical therapy, unfortunately. I see. Right. And I've, I've talked about this before, but I'll just mention it to you. So you, you see where I'm coming from too, is that I currently have a therapist I've been working with for four or five years, and he's he's has a PhD in psychology, right? He's been trained in all the cognitive stuff. He's also Lakota. He's Native American. And when I go into therapy, we smudge with sage. He drums and sings, and he brings a lot of... It's interesting. He takes the neurocognitive and he like puts it through the lens of Native American wisdom. And it's really interesting. And he doesn't even call it therapy. He calls it counseling and healing. So mm-hmm. he's like, he's all about consciousness. And I've worked with many different therapists, neurocognitive, all, all kinds, um, somatic. And, and he kind of bridges the gap between the spiritual and the the cognitive, scientific, you know, analytical, which it's a really interesting 
way to go about it. And I really appreciate it because it, it does what you're talking about. It sounds like underneath that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we go above that stuff too. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a really interesting way to, to dig deep into what's happening in my life. And Mm -hmm. you do inner child work and I'm curious um, what it is in your universe, in Shamrit Natiya's universe, and how that helps establish consistent well-being over time. What does that look like? Well, the inner child work for me is another way to name that second pillar, that subconscious level mm-hmm. work, that emotional healing. Um, it's not always inner child because we also have some trauma sometimes later in life that, uh, that creates those subconscious um, programs or, or wounds, but it's mainly in our childhood for the reasons that we've covered earlier. And so inner child work, is that's what it is. It is in a meditative state peeling off layers of emotions and reaching a deeper sense of connection to who we were as children, to that child that still lives within us. Again, it's not about remembering and retelling and recalling everything that happened. It's more about feeling the emotions, the emotional need that was not met when we were children and learning and at the same time being in such a meditative state in which we feel ourselves as who we truly are connected to source. And in that inner space of being connected to source, feeling, you know, feeling that the the true nature of who we are and at the same time meeting that a fragile little boy or girl that still lives with lives within us and feels fear or or you know insecurity or unworthiness and so on and being able to to embrace uh, that part of our being and um, and f- fulfill our those emotional needs by ourselves that is when the healing occurs. Uh, it is there when we can find forgiveness to whoever it was that hurt us. Um, and it is a beautiful way to find a deep, deep sense of self-love. And that is what then enables the sustainability of the transformation, because it is an experience that is um, truly pivotal and life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. And you it gives you this deeper sense of knowing uh, of yourself that cannot be taken away. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I know you have this a belief and I, I actually agree with you that emotional trauma can serve as a lever can serve as a blessing and we can actually leverage it in different ways in our lives and let's say careers as well. So Mm -hmm. what is it about emotional trauma that we can actually utilize for our growth and for our, our movement towards wanting to be more fulfilled and more healthy and more happy? Well, it's, it's following just what I've shared now after when, when we, when we obviously it's not enough to have emotional trauma in life. You want to do some work with that. But when you do, yeah, (laughs) but when you do do some work with that, as, as I just um, suggested, then it's just picking up what we, from where we just, what we just said, right. It's, it's this deeper sense of knowing of who we are, this love for ourselves, this commitment and devotion that is found within ourselves to ourselves to that child that we once were that now we are devoted to love and fulfill and uh, care for um, that can lead us then to make new choices in our career in our relationships in any aspect um, and kind of you know, fulfill that little child's dreams or aspirations or desires. Um, And from that place, we can lead ourselves to 
new heights, new avenues. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, you know, just about 20 years ago, we're coming up on the anniversary. Um, my family's best friend, my former wife and my stepson and I, our family's best friend was murdered. He was killed by the police in a very unusual circumstance that the story doesn't really matter. Um, and it's 20 years ago now. And that, that was a, probably the most traumatic man of my life. Mm-hmm. And over time, I've been able to take that moment and transform the anger and the resentment and the shock and the terror and the, the absolute, you know, the deepest grief I think I've ever experienced because it was such a violent taking away of someone I loved. And over these 20 years, I've been able to use that experience to my benefit. And I'm not going to say that, well, I don't know. It has become a blessing over time, right? It's, it's become something that has worked its way into the fabric of my life. And I've been able to utilize it as, I don't know, emotional, spiritual compost, right? Mm -hmm, It's become mm -hmm. part of like, how I've grown because it's, it's part of who I am now and, and his death and everything that led up to it, et cetera. And the aftermath has become, it's been knitted into the fabric of who I am. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. And I'm, I'm curious, like, so when you take trauma, childhood, adult, whatever it is, and you, you transform it, right? And you, you make it into something that benefits you. What have you seen? What's an example? You don't have to talk about a particular client, but what's something you've seen that, that illustrates how someone can make that kind of pivot and make their life and their career and their friendships and relationships and their emotional and spiritual being really like, like take off? How do you how do you see that happening for people? Well, I can give an example of my own, okay. um, and it will show another as another aspect or another way to 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 answer your question and to okay. and to talk about you know also what you just shared. My example will be just one of many many uh, stories of people that really their their darkest time led them to their highest rises and biggest transformations. And this takes us back to the beginning of our conversation today. We grow through friction. That's what we said, right? Yes. And, uh, and so this is another way to put it. Um, Another way to put it, by the way, before I give my example is that there's a lot of energy in trauma. Um, That energy is, uh, and the, initially, you can call it negative, quote unquote, um, negative emotions like the ones that you've named, right? The grief, the terror, the resentment, the anger, the pain. There's a lot of energy in those emotions. Emotions. And when we are able to transmute and transform this energy into elevated energy and elevated emotions, and there are ways to do that. Even on a physical, biological level, there are techniques to do that. Um, We basically release a lot of stagnant energy that we can then use for creation. Uh, And there are techniques, breath techniques to do that on a physical, biological level, taking the energy from the lower centers of our body and uh, transmuting it into energy in our brain. Uh, we won't go into that, but that's just, these are just thoughts that came up to my mind as I was listening to your story and your words. Um, my story, uh, my one example is when I was, that was about 12, 13 years ago, um, when I discovered I had pre-cancer lesions in my cervix. Hmm. And at the time I was coming out of yet another, uh, unhealthy relationship. So I invested okay. a few years, uh, here and then a few years there. And then another couple of years here with different partners, um, that were not the right choices for me. And, uh, this is very common, right? Yes. Um, and even though 
um, I was already, and this links beautifully to what we said before. I was in therapy. I understood the pattern. I knew where it was coming from. I understood what story in my childhood, you know, brought me to make these choices. And yet I kept on making the same choices. I kept on crashing to the same wall. So I understood the mechanics of my car, but I couldn't drive anywhere else but to stay on the same, right? Um, And it was this crisis, this, this, you can call it the trauma of the body that that manifested in the body in this case, right? Um, Led me to look for other ways to learn. So the doctor obviously recommended going into procedure and removing. And I said, no, I want to learn the lesson that my body is telling me. If this has man, if something like this manifests in my body, there must be a reason. There must be something that I didn't heal, that I didn't resolve, that I didn't release. Uh, otherwise, it wouldn't have been here. And I want to learn. And so obviously the doctor thought I was a little bit nuts, but he said, okay, it's not that bad yet. You can take a couple of months and do whatever you want to do. Yes. And then I, I went into a very, very deep process doing, working on all these levels, these pillars that we talk, we were talking about uh, today. Um, and I did it with different mentors and different, you know, professionals. I didn't find one place that did it all, but I, I, this is, this is eventually what led me to work the way I work with people today and include all of those things in, in one process. Uh, but I did the inner child work and the spiritual practice and, and the, the therapy and uh, a lot of dream work as well, which is another very powerful tool that I that I always worked with. And um, the story was the same story. I, I didn't discover anything new that I didn't remember before that happened to me when I was a child. But the levels of forgiveness and uh, and and connection and this trans transmutation of that energy in the body and in the field, you can call it, uh, was was um, was was accessible and 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 um, possible with with the kind of work that I was doing then, and this eventually led not only to the healing of my body. Uh, but to the breakthrough in this pattern. And very shortly after I met who today is my husband for mm-hmm. over 10 years and the father of my son, and Lovely. which is totally, uh, you know, I would never have attracted him and chosen him uh, to be my partner if I wasn't, I literally managed to drive the vehicle into a different direction right well done. Uh, yes. so mm-hmm. this is an this is an example of how trauma uh, leads to transformation basically wonderful that's a great illustration thank you for sharing something so personal we both shared um something yes. you know um sensitive which yes. i i appreciate you you divulging that so thank you and i'm so glad you found someone wonderful and have a child and how old is your son He's almost nine years old. Oh, lovely. That's a great age. That's yes, wonderful. I enjoy, I enjoy him every day. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, so as we wind down, I could talk to you for hours. Um, when we're going to have to have you back at some point because there's so much more to talk about. I would but, love to. Yeah. Tell us about Master Your Path, which is your international academy for emotional and mental well-being. What, what do people experience when they become when when they sign up and join this academy what happens well thank you for asking yes. basically we work on all these levels in one holistic and coherent process okay. right so we work on the conscious cognitive behavior level and there are very powerful processes um, to do that and to create shifts in thinking patterns and reaction patterns that create very uh, rapid changes mm-hmm. in 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 the experience and in circumstances that and conditions that follow those changes. So it's always an inner change, right? Uh, life is an inner journey. So we do that, and then we start spiritual practice from day one. Whether the person is already med- you know having a meditating meditation practice or not in their life, we 
we gradually and the way, so it's a very personal journey. So everyone mm-hmm. is different and everyone go through a, um, a very personal journey with us. Uh, so it doesn't always look exactly the same and the steps don't follow exactly in the same order I and see. pace. So it's not, um, it's not cookie cutter. It's individualized. No, no, it couldn't be further than that. Yeah, it is okay. a very, very, very personal uh, uh, journey. Nice. Um, the consistency pillar, the consistency component is, is very, very important. And it, uh, it is enabled in two ways. First of all, the consistency of the sessions. So we have group mm-hmm. sessions, we have one-on-one sessions so you don't only go once a week or once every two weeks. Uh, there are different opportunities every week, sometimes several times, not sometimes, several times a week uh, to work together in one way or another. And there is daily converse, daily contact, daily, um, daily connection with me or someone else on the team uh, because... You know, when we go into a session, uh, we might experience amazing revelations or experiences, but then we go back to life, right? Or when we go to retreats, for example, it can be an amazing experience and there's a lot of room for that. It's very important Mm -hmm. to have those experiences, but then we go back to life. We We go back to the same conditions, to the same relationships, to the same triggers. Mm -hmm. And the, the trick to transformation, as we said, is the consistency is then to implement over and over again, every day, every hour, every morning, every night, those new thought patterns and reaction patterns and concepts that we want to embody. And Uh, it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that because we are programmed so deeply. And so I am a true believer of consistent um, connection. This means that we connect on, you know, WhatsApp messenger, whatever text app uh, that works. And we are together every step of the way. So we don't need to wait for the session to talk about what happened in the sessions. We have the opportunity to do deep, core processes and every day we are there together to implement those new understandings and new choices in the everyday situations and that's a very very important component uh, in the whole thing that sounds wonderful so there's individual work group work text conversation and i'm assuming you've worked with healthcare providers nurses doctors etc right Yes, um, yes, among among our clients, among definitely others. there are there are nurses and healthcare providers and other professionals, of course. Mm-hmm. So people who who are doing work with you, they'll talk with you, members of the team. They'll interact with other people who are doing this work as well. So there's kind of Absolutely. a community it's a feeling, beautiful community. It's really yeah. a family, and people stay connected also after they graduate or after they, you know. Um, it's a real family. There's so much love and, um, and, you know, support between everyone. Uh, And that's a big part of it as well, you know, to be so vulnerable and talk about your deepest, you know, struggles or experiences, uh, fears or, um, you know, insecurities with others that are experiencing the same thing all over the world. We have people from Australia, from UK, from Europe, Canada, uh, US. Um, It's very, very powerful to do this work with other people. And it's very intimate, very secure, uh, very loving. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So this all sounds wonderful. And I understand you have a free mini course that's going to be coming out soon that people who are listening to this episode can take part in. And at the time of recording, it's just about launched. It hasn't launched yet. So it's going to launch this week. Yeah. Oh, good. So where will it um, be found? How can people sign up and take part in that mini course? Yeah. So people can go to www.masteryourpath.org slash seven keys. So the number seven and the word keys, uh, the name, the full name of this free mini course is seven keys to turn up your happiness meter. Um, and there are seven keys there in that mini course, uh, that can help with that. There are videos, some worksheets some guided meditations, 
and an opportunity to connect with me as well in person. Um, and it's all for free. So masteryourpath.org slash seven keys, the, the number seven keys. Yeah. Wonderful. We will make sure that goes out on social media. We'll make sure it's in the show notes and we'll make sure people understand that that will be available. And is that kind of a long-term thing that'll be available to people over time? If someone listens to this in 2022, it'll still be there. That's the intention. Absolutely. Great. Sumit, this has been so wonderful. I've, I've just I've learned a lot here, and I I just feel so uplifted by by talking with you. And you're the CEO and founder of Master Your Path, which we said is an international academy for emotional and mental well being. You're a mentor, a transformational coach, a mindset expert. Uh, you're um, international coaching federation approved professional coach, and you work with high-performing people and healthcare providers and all sorts of people who really want to make these shifts emotionally, cognitively, spiritually, et cetera. It's beautiful work. And we're going to make sure all of the Nurse Keith Nation knows about it. So I really appreciate you being here. This has really been wonderful. And I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of what you've had to say. It's going to, it gives me a lot of food for thought too. So I hope to stay connected. And thank you so much for gracing the airwaves. This has been really incredible. Thank you so much, Keith. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this really inspiring and uplifting episode of the Nurse Keith Show. The show notes where you can learn all about Shimrit Nativ and her incredible work will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 346. And if you need personalized holistic career coaching to go along with Shimrit Nativ's work, you can contact me at keith at nursekeith.com. And remember, if you mention Shimrit or her International Academy or episode 346, you can get 15% off your first coaching package. And again, please consider becoming a patron over at patreon.com, patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith. $2 a month would be awesome. You can also avail yourself of cool prizes and premiums if you want to pledge more. The Nurse Keith Show is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. Check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com. It is an amazing array of incredible podcasts about healthcare, health, well-being. There's so much to check out there. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting. Thank you, Rob, so much. And Mark Kathy Spieson is our stalwart and wonderful social media ringmaster. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and the inimitable and incredible Shamrit Nativ saying Avida Zane from <laughs> Berlin, Germany. Berlin, Germany. Thank you so much, Shamrit. I hope to meet you in Berlin someday when I return, and we will catch everybody on the flip side. <laughs>